Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, agency owner? If you're new here, I've got a free ebook on how to scale your business to multiple six and even seven figures by overcoming your dependency on referrals, doubling your profit per project, and removing yourself as the main bottleneck in your business. All you have to do is DM me the word gift on Facebook at Brent Weaver. That's facebook.com slash Brent Weaver. And I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in business and life. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver. And today we are hanging out with Perry Marshall. He is one of the most expensive business strategists in the world. He is endorsed in Forbes and Inc. Magazine. He also completed the $10 million Evolution 2.0 prize by Harvard and Oxford. He has published a published scientist that aims to solve the number one mystery in artificial intelligence and life itself. His reinvention of the Pareto Principle is published in Harvard Business Review. NASA's Jet Propulsion Labs used his 80-20 curve as a productivity tool. And today we're hanging out to talk about his new book, Memos from the Head Office. Perry, welcome to the program. It's great to be here. Thank you, Brent. And we're going to dive deep. Yeah. I think you're, in, in, in the last time you were on the, the Digital Agency Show, we talked a lot about 80-20. And for our listeners, you can definitely check that out. We'll link to it in the show notes. So if you're interested to know more about uh, Perry's thoughts on all that good stuff, you can find that there. But I, I want to talk specifically today about your book, Memos from the Head Office. When I heard the title, all sorts of thoughts kind of went through my mind of like what this book could be about. And I started digging into it. And I was like, this kind of stuff has like happened to me before in terms of like, you know, I think one in one part of the book, you kind of talked about somebody who, who got like the download, right? Or if you've ever, if you've ever been struggling with like a problem or an issue or been faced with like a decision of like which direction to go and you like don't think about something and then all of a sudden like you get this like burst of information. And in the book, you kind of go through some really cool examples of this. Can you tell me a little bit about like why you wrote this book? Why this is something that you wanted to share with the world? So. This is really my most important source of information, and it's not in the form of here's a business strategy, here's a business tactic, here's a here, here's a thing that you put on a spreadsheet, here's a formula. Uh, you know, J.K. Rowling was on a stalled train when this download started coming, and she wrote in her notebook as fast as she could. And she remembered what she couldn't write down. And then after she had straightened everything out, uh, she had the Harry Potter series. Okay. And it came to her. It didn't just like she didn't sit there, uh, like read a how to write a fiction book thing and piece it together in an outline. It, it came all at once. And I had a, I've had a couple of those kind of epiphanies. They didn't, like hers seemed to go on for a few hours. For me, each of them was about 10 seconds, but one of them was out about 80, 20. One of them pertains to my evolution book. And it was like, boom. And nobody talks about this. Like if, if, 
if you like, there's lots of people, this is how their idea came to them. But if you look at the number of books that are actually written versus like the traditional way, like you'll, you'll never get this in college. I mean, I feel like you're, I mean, in the JK Rowling example, I mean, what would that, the, how to write a book instruction would be like, get on a train or whatever, you know, hopefully the muse will show up to you, you know, dot, 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 skip to chapter 19 and, you know, we'll, we'll tell you how to proofread or something. I mean, how do you, is it, is it luck? Is it, uh, you know, divine inspiration? Is it that our subconscious is chewing on things that we have? I mean, obviously JK Rowling, it's not like she had never written something before. didn't have like an interest or a desire to like write. I mean, that had to be in play before that. Mm -hmm. And I think I've gotten, you know, I, I mean, this is, this is probably closer to your 10 second one, but I was going to bed the other night. We're on vacation and I was actually kind of bummed. I'd been on vacation for a little while. I hadn't really gotten any big ideas. And sometimes when I unplug from my bit, my business, I kind of almost expect for a big idea to come. I'm like, oh yeah, that, that, that's what vacation is all about is like getting the big breakthrough. Right. And I didn't have any big breakthroughs, but I still was like in bed. I laid down, I'm like about to go to sleep. And then all of a sudden it was like, boom. And I, it was an idea for a business that I'm a partner in hit me about, you know, solving some random pricing problem. And I was not, you know, I didn't have a pricing spreadsheet in front of me. I wasn't sitting there taking notes about it. I wasn't even thinking about that business. It was really far from my mind, but all of a sudden it was like this like freight train of like, I have to get up and I have to write this down. I have to get this email off uh, to my partner in that business. Otherwise I'm going to like let it go. And this is exactly what we need to do. Right. And so I feel like sometimes those things happen, but like, it, you know, it's unpredictable. You can't control it. So how do you like, how do you write a book on this? I mean, I know you have, right. But like it, it doesn't, it doesn't lend itself very much to the, the traditional idea of a how to. So I don't have a formula for making the idea show up. What I have is an approach for being receptive to it so that when it comes, so that first of all, it can come. And secondly, that you are, you're receptive to it coming. Okay. So let, let's just start with, I think most people completely screw themselves before they even get out of bed. Why is that? Because what most people do first thing in the morning, ring, ring, they pull device in front of face in bed and start the death scroll. Okay. And they, they start reacting to the world before their feet have even hit the floor. All right. Now I'm in my email box. I'm in Twitter. I'm in CNN. I'm in Instagram, like Facebook, whatever it is. And all of a sudden, the world is now dragging you by your nose. And without even knowing it, you just like threw away your creative reserve and you started the day on the wrong foot. Um, the, the way I start my day every day, and I haven't missed a day in eight years, and I usually 98% of the time I get this done first thing in the morning is. I journal and I'm not in, I'm not texting people. I'm not in CNN. I'm, I get, okay, and like, and I just write and, and I'm not, and by the way, I'm not composing. It's like, what was that idea in the shower? What am I grateful for? What am I thinking about right now? What did I, maybe a dream. 
And I get myself sorted out at the beginning of the day. And, and finally, when I feel like I like have my armor on, then I, then I begin the day. And I think most people are spouting opinions that aren't theirs. They're having arguments with people on Facebook about things that they're not even their own idea and they're not even sure if they actually believe it, but it sounded good when they heard it. And so they're on a, a script or they're on a narrative. And I think this is just absolutely terrible for people. On the other hand, like you can be so much more productive uh, and effective in so fewer hours a day when you're properly alone. So this coming back to this idea of you don't have a formula for 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 making it happen, but you're saying, hey, if you go and journal, for example, first thing in the morning before you crowd your brain and your thoughts with everybody else's priorities and all the the, the crud that's going on in the world, that that is kind of like creating space for it. it it's like yeah. it's like it's like you now have it, at least you have soil, right? You've got some some ground that you've cleared for these ideas to then, you know, have some space to come into and flow And your method is, is journaling and, and getting that in there. So, I mean, at a very specific level, I'm just kind of curious, um, kind of a tactical level of, of, you know, starting the day journaling, is that like keeping a journal next to the bed and instead of grabbing your phone, you're grabbing the journal and just kind of jotting some notes in, or are you actually getting up, getting ready and then sitting down and saying, Hey, this is my journal time. I, it's the latter. Uh, no, I'm, I got no problem with the other, but, but, it's, you know, I call it Renaissance time, and I'm not saying you have to journal. I, I can certainly tell you that journaling works great for an awful lot of people. It's like I, I, I'm alone with my thoughts, and I'm just maybe I'm just demoting. Maybe I just feel thankful that I had to push my baby on the swing yesterday, or 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 something. Okay, but I I'm not being impinged upon by all the rest of the world. And, and that, that is just, that is incredibly powerful. Um, and, and so like, once I got myself sorted out, then I began my day. Now there, there's, there's another part of it too, which is most people don't leave room for unproductive, exp- like not necessarily productive ex- exploration. Most people cram their schedule with what I call $10 an hour work. It's like, well, you know, if look busy, just like it's not that people tell themselves to look busy. They are programmed to just look busy. What do you mean by programmed to look busy? Okay, so so most people imagine that the cleaning people are coming over to your house. If you're lifting your legs so they can vacuum under you, you feel guilty. <laughs> I think you're mistaking me for somebody else, uh, Perry. I, I, I'm, I'm not that guilty about that one, but I get, I get it, right? I get what you're saying. I definitely grew up with a, you know, my mom. It was like the cleaning people were coming, so we need to clean the house, right? And I'm like, wait a minute, isn't the whole point that they're going to do that work for us, right? Right, right. Okay, and so like most people are caught up in this act. It's activity, like. They don't distinguish the difference between productive work and just activity. Okay, so so I think everybody needs some 
recreation and some exploration, or maybe it's just like, you know, Google back in the day, I don't know if they still do, but their policy was 20% of their employees time. They want them spent doing like their own project because occasionally, oh, that turned into Google news. That was like a really good idea. Okay. And, and like, I think everybody needs to do a certain amount of that because otherwise the muse has no time to strike. So like, if you ask yourself, well, when has the muse struck? The muse almost never strikes when you're hunched over banging on your keyboard, stressing out about like, how am I going to solve this problem? It usually happens when you're, you're pushing your kid on the swing or you're, you're in a rock concert or you're in a worship service or you're hiking. Okay. So why don't we build in more room for stuff like that? Well, most people don't give themselves permission. I think it's extremely important. How, how do you give yourself permission to do something? I mean, is it just simply saying I'm going to take off work and go on a walk? I mean, what is, what does it mean to give yourself permission? So several examples. So I, I think everybody should leave the house and go for a walk at least once a day. And like, I don't have to be doing anything right now. I could just walk around the block and enjoy the trees in the neighborhood. I take Sundays off. It's, I'm, I mean, very nearly religious about it. Like no email, no social media, no, like none of that stuff and no work. Most people work seven days a week. That's bad for you. I, you are not more productive working seven days a week. You're more productive working six or five. You'll make much better use of what you got if your batteries are recharged and you're not burning out your relationships and burning out your family with, with, with too much activity. Um, okay, here's, this is kind of random, but I build stereo equipment. That's like my favorite pastime. A few years ago, I had to just give myself permission. And the permission was, Perry, if you're getting really jazzed up about a design, you don't have to rationalize. You don't have to justify. Order the parts. When the parts show up, start building stuff. Period. Okay, now, how many people give themselves that much permission with their hobbies and pastimes? Most people, it's crammed into a little shoebox, like, well, I can't really do that for three more months, or I can't really do that until I, like, no. Like, I, I think this stuff feeds your soul, it feeds your creativity. Um, there's a reason the, the Greeks and other cultures believe in a muse, that, that, that it comes from outside of you. Hey, what's up, agency owners? I want to tell you about one of my favorite white label partners, E2M. They can help with all your website design, web development, SEO, and content needs for your client projects. This includes WordPress, WooCommerce, Shopify, BigCommerce, Webflow, Duda, SiteGlide, custom PHP applications, and much more. Have peace of mind when it comes to your outsourcing needs. Let E2M become an extension of your team so you can grow and scale how you want. Check them out today at e2msolutions.com. That's e the number 2 m solutions.com. All right, back to our show. I was reading uh, a book by Stephen Pressfield. He talks a lot about the muse. Big big Stephen Pressfield fan. And and one thing that he had said was, you know, cuz some people think like, oh, the muse has to show up and then I'll go sit down and write. And he's like, uh-uh, like you have to like go sit down and write and, you know, or or not even write, but like sit down there with the blank piece of paper and be in a room. You've got to like, the only place that writing happens is, 
you know, in the chair in front of the typewriter, in front of the keyboard, right? It doesn't happen doing something else, but you have to sit there and at least create space for the muse to arrive, which I love. And that, that was always like very, that gave me creative direction in terms of going, okay, you know, I need to at least sit down and start the writing process and then something will come. What I love about this idea of memos from the head office though, is that I think it works really well in the complement of that. If you have a writing habit, let's say, like when, I, when I've been really consistent about writing or getting up every morning and journaling, what I find is then when I'm off doing something else, I'm biking, walking, hiking, whatever, you know, I tend to get more of these, like the muse shows up there too, right? And then I'm like emailing myself notes of like, oh, hey, your next blog post should be blank, right? Um, but if I'm not like, you know, if I'm not carving out that time to journal every day or to write every day, like, you know, not only is the muse not showing up when I'm sitting in front of the keyboard, but they're not showing up elsewhere either, right? Well, you're exactly right. And I think the thing that you're doing when you sit down and write is you are asking a question. And you're not getting answers to questions that you refuse or fail to ask. Okay, so what am I going to write about? Well, that is a question, right? And and so you have to prime the pump with the question so that the answer can come. And, you know, so maybe blank piece of paper. Well, why don't you write down the questions that you got to answer when this will have been answered when this thing has been written, right? And then you, you are now putting one foot in front of the other, and then you'll get stuck on something, and then you're pushing your kid on the swing, and then it comes to you while you're at the park. And the, this, this is much more how it works. And I, look, I think the world has started to become controlled by technocrats and 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 this is getting squeezed out and people find this very frustrating but they don't understand what's going on and so then they they just lash out at people in social media and they have political arguments and all the rest and that is it's a huge waste of energy like what if all that energy that you had you know arguing about Trump or arguing about Biden or arguing about the coronavirus or whatever what if what if that creativity got poured into something that you're building. Perry, I want to go through and talk about the second thing that you mentioned that you help people with the book, which is, is not just creating the space for this stuff to show up, but also to be, you know, how to be receptive to it. Because I mean, I don't, I'm not sure if either of these parts are, are more important than the other, but I have felt that that is a really big part of this whole thing is that not only have you gotten the idea or the the memo, uh, as, as you call it, but you actually are open to it. You mm-hmm. have the the will and faith to do something about it and, you know, how you incorporate these types of things into your, into your life and, and, and how to determine, you know, is this something that is a, a brilliant and bold idea or... I don't know. I think I used to listen to Dave Ramsey's podcast all the time. And uh, he would say, you know, or did I just have like, you know, did I eat too much pizza last night? Right. Yeah, sure. So talk to me about how to be receptive, uh, not just receptive, but actually like to, to take these things and like, like, what do you do once you get this insight or idea or memo? Well, well, the best way I know to exercise the muscle is to 
write a question on the piece of paper, and then whatever comes next, like expect a thought to come because it always will, and write down whatever comes. Do not edit, do not think, do not compose, do not delete, do not try to reason out. And, and, and if, you, if you start to think, oh, that sounds stupid, that can't be right, you shut yourself, you just shut off that doubt and you just keep going and you see what comes out, okay? And some of the time it's gibberish. I totally admit that. Sometimes it's like just meandering, maybe you're retching all over your piece of paper today. That's fine. But what I find is there's gems that come out in that. And you, you can come back later and process it. And you can think about it and sift it, and sort it, and analyze it all you want. But you got to get it out. And most people, there's this weaker side of themselves that wants to say something. And it's, it always keeps getting shut down. And so it just, it just takes a sabbatical. So... I have a story about this. So one of the exercises that I talk about in memos from the head office is non-dominant handwriting. And I had this counselor tell me, if you're trying to sort out an emotional thing that you're, it's elusive. Like I can't get at it. I can't remember what I, I don't know. There's, there's something making me upset. There's making me angry. What is it? I can't get to it. She said, try this. She said, in, your, in the hand you normally write with, which for most people is the right hand, write a question and then put your pen in the other hand and write the answer with your wrong hand. And the effort of trying to write ties up your conscious brain. And then your, your weaker side actually has room to speak while the conscious stuff is tied up. And so I had noticed that if I was a group of people with a group of people and everybody was singing, like they could be singing the national anthem at the baseball game. They could be singing at church or wherever. I would feel this sad, this lump in my throat. Like I was sad. And it was like the singing would bring this out. I'm like, what am I sad about? And so one day I said, well, why don't I do what Abby said to do and I'll do this non-dominant handwriting. And so I wrote, what are you sad about? What's that lump in your throat? And I put the, the pen in my other hand and I started to have this picture of walking up an embankment and seeing the grass. And I thought, well, that doesn't have anything to do with anything. And then I remember, no, like just write it down shut off the editor. So I wrote down, okay, so I'm, I see grass and I'm walking up an embankment and then, then I see pavement. Then I see, I see pavement and then I see the dead cat and I'm on a highway. And suddenly I remember I'm six years old. The I just found out that my cat got run over by a car and I'm sad there's the lump in the throat right there. And so, so then I go to my, my counselor and I go, okay, so what do I do with this? She says, okay, so your cat died. You were six. You were sad about it. You didn't finish the feeling. You have an emotion 
you have an emotion program that's still running. So what you need to do is like maybe when you wake up in the morning before you get out of bed, remember the cat, remember the situation and reconnect to what it was like to be six and, and, and missing your cat and feel the feeling again and be six again and finish, finish the feeling. And she said, if you, if you do this, that, that, that stray emotion will kind of merge back in and you'll feel something let go and then you'll be done and you you'll be done being sad about your cat. It was 40 years ago. And that's exactly what happened. And it went away and then people are singing and I don't feel this anymore in my throat. And, and so there's some really profound ways in which most people have lost the ability to listen to themselves. And this is a way to get it back. I love that. I mean, I think that as somebody who has two little kids right now, I think it's been really interesting to see how many situations that maybe we as adults think are small or insignificant. And, you know, they have complete breakdowns over. And, you know, yeah. I always wonder, like, I kind of get these like impressions of like thinking back to my childhood. And it, it makes me think like, you know, is there, I mean, I'm sure there's unresolved stuff, right? We all have issues with our childhood and parents or family or, you know, situations that happen to us or trauma, right? But even like small things like losing a cat, you know, to a six-year-old, that's a really traumatic event, totally. you know, to, 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 a, to an older adult in their 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever, you know, maybe you have, you know, maybe it's not as big of a deal in your broader life experience. I mean, maybe you're sad or maybe it's something that really affects you, but like to a six-year-old who's only been alive for six years and maybe had one pet, you know, that trauma could be, could be significant. And so, mm -hmm. you know, this isn't just about getting inspiration or your next big idea. And, you know, I know you mentioned uh, in the book, even the, the, the example of um, the person that had kind of gotten like the download that, hey, a crash is coming in the market and, you know, getting out early before all of the, the stuff happened when the pandemic hit. You know, this isn't just about, oh, I'm going to eke out more value from my life by getting better ideas, but like resolving issues that are going on in your mind, maybe subconsciously that are causing you some strain or stress in your life that you might even not be uh, fully aware of. The, the more you listen to memos from the head office, the more of them will come. And, and, and so, yeah, there's a story in the book where Shannon Stewart, who she's in Michigan, she's a financial, she's a tax strategist and a financial strategist just like a month before the 2008 crash, she had dreams three nights in a row. And after the third night of this, she's like, I think there's a major market correction coming. And she told her clients, pull out of the market. And they did. And then the end of September of 08 comes and there's this big crash. And she had called it. And then it happened again in February of 2020. It was, it was the first downturn of the Asian markets when COVID hit back in February. And she had dreams three nights in a row. And she's like, whoa, 
this is like the same thing all over again. So she sent emails to her clients. She said, I recommend that you pull out of the market. And then what's interesting is the agency that regulates her activity was like, what, what did you just do? And why did you tell, like, you have to have a reason, like there are compliance rules. And she's like, uh, God told me to. And she's, they're like, well, that's not a good answer. And she's like, it's good enough for me. And it's what I did. And it worked. <laughs> and so like, some of these stories are kind of funny. Um, they're not funny if you didn't pull your money out of the market. Right. And so, I mean, her clients were a beneficiary of that. So this is a book of stories like this. Hey, what's up, agency owners? Quick question for you. Could your client retention rate be better? Most small businesses are terrible at closing leads, so it's pretty common to churn lead gen clients quickly. But I've been really impressed with a new all-in-one marketing platform that actually closes leads without clients having to get involved. The platform, which is called High Level, is built specifically for agencies, and the best part is you can white-label it so you can present it to your clients as your own software and collect that sticky software revenue in addition to your services charges each month. High Level normally has a 14-day free trial, but as a member of the YouGurus community, you have access to an extended 30-day trial, which you can access at gohighlevel.com forward slash YouGurus. That's gohighlevel.com forward slash U-G-U-R-U-S. All right, let's get back to the program. She's, I mean, you know, to, to and I think this is really interesting, but she's obviously in a position where it's not like she's a, you know, a beginner day trader coming home, you know, it'd be like, honey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna quit my day job. And I gotta, you know, I gotta download that we're gonna put it all on, you know, GameStop tonight. It's I hear it's hot, right? Um, I mean, we're talking about somebody who's at the top of their game in their, in their profession is, you know, is getting some, you know, really good messages in, in their mind, whether it's whether it's from God, the muse, whether it's from their subconscious, like inf- like something's coming to them mm-hmm. through their like they have achieved some level of mastery in what they're doing, and they're getting signals that aren't necessarily from their conscious mind. It's not like oh hey I was you know I was sitting here working on our strategic plan and this big idea came to me. It's like these things are coming outside of that space. Yes, and this ability can be cultivated. You can cultivate your listening ear. You can stimulate yourself to be more receptive to memos from the head office, to inspirations, to hearing that quiet voice. Like, I think the the quiet voice of wisdom is the quietest voice. Mm. Okay. And you can't listen. Well, you're never going to, you can't hear that voice unless you can listen to yourself. And you're not going to even hear yourself if you're constantly listening to everything else and everybody else. So, so taking more intentional action to quiet out some of those other things. So I personally had a, you know, and this is actually in my wife, she helps, uh, she she does the the production on the podcast, so she's going to hear this and she's going to say, "Oh, I know exactly what Brent's going to say next, right?" So yeah. this is before I started a U Gurus. Uh, I was running my agency, and you know we we had made some changes in our business. We were we were probably growing in a different direction, but I had a lot of inner conflict about where I was going to head next. And we this happened to be the year my wife and I got married, and we went on our honeymoon, and I went to Saint Lucia for. Uh, two weeks. And I had never, 
you know, I had started my business in 2000 and I had not taken a vacation, probably a full week, uh, since I started the business and it was 2012, right? So 12 years, no legit vacation. And we took, you know, two weeks for the, for the honeymoon and somewhere around like 10 days in and I unplugged, I like, you know, did my best. I'm sure I checked email here and there, but internet wasn't that great down there. And so at some point I had to just say, Hey, you know what? I'm just not really working down here. Somewhere around day 10, you know, I was having trouble sleeping. Like, and I had been, I think nightly, I had been kind of stressing about like what I was going to be doing with my life, what I was going to do with my business and all this kind of stuff. So right around day 10, I, uh, you know, I probably was like half asleep and it was like, you know, big idea. Right. And I'm like, and I wake up, I'm like, this is, this is weird. Like I got, I got some things I'm thinking about here and I ended up going into, you know, the bathroom, right? It's midnight or whatever. And, you know, didn't want to wake up my wife. And so I go in the bathroom and I grab some, you know, p- printer paper or journal or something. And I just started like writing out these ideas and I actually kind of drew them as like little sketches cause they were just coming to me very visually. And it was like my, my vision for my new company. And you know, I, in my, my wife, of course, wakes up in the morning and I've, I've been up since, you know, whatever, like midnight to 6am. I look disheveled. I look like I've, you know, been on something. She's like, what the heck is going on? I'm like, I, I, I think I've figured it out. Right. Took another couple of days to like refine some of the thoughts, but they kind of kept, kept flowing. Mm. And, you know, I came back from my honeymoon, ended up having conversations with like my business partners. I mean, I, I committed, I was like, Hey, I'm going to change some things. And I felt really strong about those those changes. And so I feel like I've had that experience. And, and so when I, when I saw your book, I really resonate. I'm like, this is like, this is something that happened to me in a big way. Right. I mean, to the point where in three months, Perry, I found a buyer for my agency. I started a new company, found investors for that business. I closed a, a, a massive deal with Adobe to kind of kick off the business. I mean, you know, pitched several of my team members to make the jump from old co to new co. I mean, three months of energy. Like we went on like a mountain retreat. We pulled the whole team up in the mountains. We like worked on a product for an entire week. Like it was intense. And, and a lot of things, a lot of balls went into motion because of that download. I think I have felt a pressure since then to recreate one of those moments, right? Recreate that level of breakthrough. And I'm not going to say I haven't had, had breakthroughs, right? But like the, I'm going to wake up at three o'clock in the morning and write 50 pages of what I'm going to do with the next 10 years of my life. Like in a way I've almost felt like there's, because I have had a big download like this, there's almost like this pressure to try to get another one. And I'm very type A. So, you know, I'm thinking, oh man, I had a, I had a breakthrough. Let's do the 10 point checklist and let's get the next breakthrough. Right. You know, yeah. but like what, you know, if, if you are somebody who has created space and the muse has shown up, whether it's writing a book and, and it probably, it has happened a couple of times when I, mean, I did, I did write a book and I'm pretty excited about that. And that happened. And, and I think some of this happened during that process as well, but you know, it's like, are you, you know, was that because I had so much pent up memo and then maybe now it's more like I get kind of small downloads kind of periodically, but it's not like the big, like, Hey, you need to change the direction of your life. Like what happens if you start putting pressure on yourself to like get the next memo, you know? Uh, I, I don't, I don't think it's usually helpful to get yourself to, to pressure yourself for it. I think it's more like 
recognizing that one wants to come and then needing, knowing that you need to make the space for it. So I'll give you an example. I published my first scientific paper two months ago. And it was to, to get that thing done was two hours a day for a year of work. Wow. And it, it was due to, into the editor December 31st. And there was another one of these, oh, well, there's a math formula that I couldn't, I, I'm just grasping. I couldn't quite get right. Um, of course, you know, everybody's under COVID and, and, and that wasn't too much fun. Well, my favorite escape place is Ireland. In fact, I, I've got an Ireland picture on my computer desktop. Um, and I found out that Ireland had gone from level five to level three lockdown, and they were allowing a limited amount of visitors and mobility. And so, you know, right in the middle of COVID, at the end of December, I bought a plane ticket. And I went to Ireland and I, I managed to actually get in. And sure enough, the first day out on a hike, that puzzle piece came like out of the sky and like, and I was like, dang, that's it. Yes. I felt the, the, the pregnancy of that. I felt it. And I was in tune enough with my own creative process to see that it wanted to come. And then I knew that I had to make the space for it. So it's kind of, I think it's a little bit the opposite of what you said, where you're like, come on, let's go, come on. It's like, well, you can't say that to a woman that's not pregnant. <laughs> right? And so I, how does that jive with your experience, Brent? I mean, I think it's, it's, it's like a lot of things in life. The, the harder you try, sometimes the worse it gets in, in a way, right? I mean, I, I, I spent the first decade of my professional, you know, my, in, in web, in programming. And, you know, I think a lot of developers out there, like they, they, you, we get it, right? When, like, when, when there's a, a bug in the code, you know, the longer you look at it, like the longer you try to like fix it, uh, the less likely you are to fix it. Right. At some point you have to say, I need to walk away. And yep. actually my, my, uh, my old business partner and I, we used to call this a Gary because at one <laughs> point we were building a website in the website, we were trying to make some border something gray and you know, it wasn't gray. So we're in there, we're messing with the tables or, you know, we at one point think it's the server. We think it's like the bra. I mean, we're going like nuts over this thing. And it just turns out that we misspelled gray as Gary. And no matter how much we looked at it, you know, it didn't, it didn't change the fact Like we had to like leave the room at some point and come back. And then it was like, I don't even think we were looking at the computer. And I was like, I think we misspelled gray. Right. I mean, it was like, it was, it was, but we were both looking at it. Right. And I think that this, like the impression I get from, from memos is that, you know, this has to be something that you're, that you have to just have faith that you're, you know, you're, you're, whether it's your emotional intelligence, whether it's a higher power, like you just at some point have to have faith that in you, there's something more powerful and complex than you can understand. And you just have to be okay with that and just let it happen and then be waiting for it when it does. And I think that's, that for me personally is a huge takeaway to like stop trying to force 
these types of things from happening. But what you can do is you can create an invite. You can the, the actions that you can take are around creating that you know the 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 clearing for this to happen. And you can work on those habits, whether it's making time for journaling, whether it's you know not checking your phone. Uh, whether it's getting away from the computer, like those are the things that I'm like, okay, I can do that. And I can kind of, you know, then just have faith that, Hey, this is going to happen. Like something's going to come to me, whether it's a next big idea for the business, whether it's a relationship, whether it's something else, like it will happen if I make that space. Inspiration never comes when your fists are clenched. Perry, I think that is a fantastic note to to wrap on our main, the main portion of our interview. I just, I want to say that this topic, uh, I'm so happy that you wrote a book on it. I'm so happy that you, uh, made the time to come to our show today. Um, I've got a couple of questions I'd love to throw out to you for our lightning round. Are you, you ready for that? Sure. What is the best advice you've ever received? Seek wisdom. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? Renaissance time, which is the time I spend in the morning journaling. I, I haven't missed a day in eight years. It's the best habit I've ever cultivated. And I like, I like what you call it. It's Renaissance time. Can you share an internet resource tool or app that you've found that you use regularly that you can share with our listeners? Yeah. Um, MarketingDNATest.com. It's $37. If you go to the website, it's free. If you go through our, my 80-20 book, but it's the marketing DNA test. And since you sell to your, your audiences, agency owners, marketers need to sell in their wheelhouse. There are so many different ways that people sell. There's hostage negotiators. There's copywriters. There's people that sell with charts and graphs. There's people sell with it making you cry. There's all these different ways. It, the most efficient thing you can do if you're in sales or marketing is figure out what is your marketing DNA and how do I stop trying to sell in ways that are not consistent with that? If you do that one thing, that will totally revolutionize your life. And I, I wish I'd known that 20 years ago when I got my first sales job. Awesome. And we will uh, we will link out to the uh, domain, and we will also um, I'll try to grab a link. Maybe if we can get that thing to make it for free by the book. But it sounds like it's a a no brainer in terms of uh, ROI on that one. Uh, what book would you recommend besides your own, and why? Um, I think everybody should read the Star Principle by Richard Koch. It will eliminate ninety to ninety five percent of the business ideas that you're thinking about that aren't going to work. <laughs> That's good. We've all, we've all had those. It's a brilliant, brilliant book. Awesome. Well, I will link out to the star principle. I will also link out to marketing Check out our show notes, yougurus.com slash podcast. If you're listening to this week of, you're going to see Perry's photo right up there at the top. We'll also link out to Perry's other episode that he had with you gurus. Um, how can our audience find out more about you? Is there anything that you have that uh, they can check out? Uh, just just go to Amazon and get yourself a copy of Memos from the Head Office and read it. It's a very profound book and it'll change your life. And yeah, just go to Amazon and get Memos. Very cool. Well, we will also organize that uh, for our listeners. So if you're out there on 
uh, a drive on the road if you're uh, on a run or like me on your bike and you're looking for those links, if you want to make sure that you go pick up Perry's book, check out our show notes. We'll link out to Amazon. We'll link out to Perry's social profiles uh, and all of those great resources you heard on today's episode at yougurus.com forward slash podcast. And I just want to emphasize for our listeners. Buy, buy Perry's book on memos from the head office. I just I, I, I think it's profound. I think it's something that, as you mentioned earlier, Perry, people aren't talking about enough in terms of where their inspiration and ideas come from. We've all read 101 different how-tos on how to grow your business and how to do this. And I think this is almost like the antithesis of that in terms of trying to focus on, you know, instead of the how or even the who, you're just the who is like within you, right? We're just making that space to get inspired and that's brilliant. So check out his book. Make sure you guys read that. It's a great read for this summer, especially as you maybe have time to create some space, whether it's on trips or vacations or at the beach or things like that. So definitely uh, take a look at that if you have a chance. Perry, thanks so much for hanging out with us today and stopping by the program. Brent, thank you very much. And that is it for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, if you want that free ebook on how to scale to multiple six and seven figures, all you got to do is DM me on Facebook the word gift at Brent Weaver, and I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in your business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. Brent Weaver.